Today's chat is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com FFC. With over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, this is a great alternative for keeping up with the monthly Focus Fire book club. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back to the 21st installment of our Extra Lore series, recorded live on December 6, 2017, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Big shout out to our live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Our topic for this chat is going to be an introductory look into Hellblade, Sinua's Sacrifice. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have our resident Gunter extraordinaire, green-eyed music lover. Green, uh, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question, but do you have any thoughts on the topic tonight? That collecting all of the lore stones for this one was not as painful as I thought it was going to be, thanks to one YouTube video. Whoever that was who collected all of them, thank you. Is that the one that uh, I sent you? No, actually, that guy missed a few. Okay, okay. So I found a different one with all 44. Nice. And this guy did an awesome job of editing it, and I wish I had his name off the top of my head because I'm giving him a huge shout out because it made transcribing everything so much easier. Perfect. Yay, YouTube creators. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, we have one of those. Don't we? Is he still with us? I think I think we have our crazed grizzle lore fiend over here, Beard Grizzly. <laughs> Beard, do you have any thoughts on tonight's topic? Um, yeah, because I need more to go ahead and remind me how many how many problems I have with my brain. What? Huh? I think I think being called a shill too often is starting to get. Some- it's it's it, it's it starting to weigh down on you. I think so. And by the way, I apologize for all my typing. I I'm sitting here hitting my my mute button on my Yeti, and apparently I I think Windows really screwed up today because oh, these updates are update. bad, bad. <laughs> anyway, I will I will I will try to mute myself here with with Discord. But yes, I'm excited to hear some stuff. Um, I'm gonna be honest right now. I didn't have a chance to do like any preparation whatsoever. This month has been the weirdest month I think of my life. Um, so yeah, uh, good game. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that being said, we always want to make sure someone who is, uh, well-versed in lore. So we just went ahead and tricked bell bunny into joining us. (laughs) Bell, I know you just played through it. So you actually are pretty fresh from, uh, from playing through this game on stream if i remember um yes so do you what what is what what are your thoughts of the game oh that's a really loaded question with a possibly long answer are you Mm -hmm. sure you want to ask me we have like two hours so (laughs) okay so i can fill about an hour and 50 minutes on the answer and then we can do 10 minutes of and then we can do we can do shout outs afterwards yeah sounds good um no honestly one of not I may have to label it as probably my all-time favorite game ever. Um, And that's not just because it's a fun game to play and it's interesting and there's elements to it that are difficult, um, including the combat and the puzzle elements. But finally, somebody did (laughs) justice to 
mental health issues in a game. Um, not saying that other games haven't done or haven't tackled it and handled it well, but I've never experienced a game that did it to this level and did not, they didn't shy away. And mm-hmm. when you learn about the amount of work that went into this game, the amount of research and involvement of people who deal with psychosis and other mental health issues um, and the passion that was put into it is just, it is amazing. And um, playing it on stream was really cool because having the response of other people watching it at the same time that I'm experiencing it um, and not playing it alone <laughs> right, uh, right. was probably better for my <laughs> experience so that I didn't just sit there like crying afterwards. Um, but it just, it's, I really, really hope that more companies can uh, realize that they can tackle difficult issues, whether it's mental health or any other kind of social issues, um, and realize that they can still make bank doing so Mm -hmm. um, and make really good points and also still create a game that people could, honestly, you could probably pick up this game, play it all the way through, by the end, I'm sure you would realize that you've probably experienced something beyond just playing a kind of epic game, <laughs> but you could just enjoy it if you wanted to. Um, and I think that's cool, but still kind of get something more from it. Um, and hopefully it makes you really think. And I think that that's, that's a good mark of a really good game. Um, and I, guess I could go on forever about this part <laughs> of it because to well, me, the mental health, I mean, those who know right. me anything that tackles mental health is, is really important to me and seeing a game that didn't, um, it didn't romanticize it. And it also didn't do the stereotypical horror game, go into a mental asylum and everything's just death. And I mean, there is a lot of death and there's a lot of grotesque, but it's, it's very honest. Yes. Yes. I love that. And, um, to me, honestly, the biggest part was not romanticizing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really important, I think, when it comes to mental health, because I think that's an issue uh, today is the the we either don't talk about it or when we do, it's like this. Oh, hey, I'm cute because I have this disorder. And that's not mm. really what we want to do either. <laughs> All the sugar coating. <laughs> right. <clears throat> but I don't know. Yeah, that's my it was just it was good. Um, that's not really time with the lower aspects, but. There's a lot of that too, and that was really cool. Well, and I think I think you kind of hit you know, like let, we'll run through the intro here real quick, but I, I do want to agree with you. I think you know the the cool thing about this game was actually the fact that the lore was there, and I, I'm not going to shy away from acknowledging that there is a lot of lore that was knotted in the game. Um, but the bigger impact that this game, at least from what I've seen in the communities that I've, that I've been, you know, a part of the bigger impact is exactly what you're talking about. Bell is actually, you know, the whole fact that they did, they, they took it head on and mm-hmm. they pulled it off. I mean, like in there, and obviously as, as we'll, we will get into with mental health, uh, situations, everyone has, everyone has their own experience. And so some people, disagreed with the way that the game presented certain things um and that's entirely fine but they did try a really really they did try to um keep it pretty general and uh no go for it go for it i would just say the the part that really impressed me is um for those who haven't played the game if you do play the game which i highly recommend um 
make sure that you also watch there's like a Vidoc documentary mm, um, mm-hmm. that you should watch afterwards. It's literally included on the game itself. And um, it goes through their behind the scenes process of creating the game, both from like just the normal dev point, but also a lot of it's focused on the mental health and the research thrown into it. And they actually had a number of people who have dealt with psychosis and also who work in um, the industry of mental health, helping people and studying it um, come in and give their personal experiences and a large variety of them and tried to incorporate as many kind of broadened versions of their mm-hmm. experiences into the game and then had them sit down and watch a playthrough of it to get their response afterwards. And the the, the positive response these people gave to it was really impressive to see. Um, and the other really big impressive thing to me was the, I mean, let me know if I'm going too far into this, but the, the main actress... <laughs> Um, the fact that she was their video editor, I think, um, and was just a stand in during like their run throughs of the game and basically ended up getting the part because they absolutely loved the way that she played the character because she took from her own experiences with mental health and just gave it her all. And if you see some of the clips, like the side by sides of, um, the actual in game and then her, uh, doing the, um, the capturing is just unbelievable and it's it's like heart-wrenching and impressive at the same time because you know that this person has gone through some crap in order to be able to portray this type of character i think that was really important to have the right kind of person um play this character because i think that very easily may would make or break this game um, right so huge props to her too and i totally am blanking on her name and i apologize uh, melina jurgens i believe is that who you're yes are you talking about the correct. voice actress for sinua well voice actress well yeah face face actress, model, okay. everything model. Okay. <laughs> everything yeah okay well let's run through the intro just real quick get that get that out of the way and then i won't I'm, I'm gonna just turn it over to bell and green i think are gonna probably be the the big the big sources of information on this one um so i'll turn that over to them as soon as we get through the show notes so let's run through that real quick Before we start off the chat, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last Extra Lore episode, we discussed the Marvel series. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out the new FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing, as well as helping us continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. We try to stream a recap of this month-long conversation on the first Wednesday of each month. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found in our show notes or on our website. These include podcasts focused on Destiny, Guardian Radio, the first and longest running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, a Destiny group dedicated to Guardians helping Guardians and discussing current Destiny news and happenings, Ghost and Echoes, a collection of the Destiny audio grimoire from Destiny One, and the network's newest edition, The Guardian Life, a podcast from the casual Guardians perspective and highlighting all Guardians, large and small. We also have a non-Destiny-focused podcast, The Enthusiast Life, which is a podcast that discusses a wide range of fun topics from within the entertainment world. 
Our next extra lore is going to be a discussion on the lore of Dead Space, so be sure to jump into the Discord server and weigh in on that. With that, where do you guys think is the best place to start when looking for a really basic understanding of Hellblade? I think starting with a general summary is kind of a good place to start. And so we talked about how important the game is from a personal perspective, but dive into the personal perspective of the main character that Bell was talking about. Wiki describes it as inspired by Norse mythology and Celtic culture. Hellblade follows Sinua, a picked warrior who must make her way to Helheim by defeating otherworldly entities and facing their challenges in order to rescue the soul of her dead lover from the goddess Hela. In parallel, the game acts as a metaphor for the character's struggle with psychosis as Sinua, who suffers from the condition but believes it to be a curse, is haunted by an entity entity known as the darkness, voices in her head known as furies and memories from her past. Which, as far as like a super general summary that's like one of the best ones i've read so far mm-hmm. there's been a lot of people talking about it and summarizing it but they don't really go into like a very glazed glossed over type thing that's so neat like that yeah so one of the things that i want to talk about is that intro to the game when you're in the canoe <gasps> you mean uh. the log <laughs> sorry that's the log it's it's a canoe it's, still was it carved out? I can't. I, yeah. Was it not carved a ton, out? Okay. But just enough to be just, sitting in it. Okay. And not like. I swear. Over. I just remember it being like a log, which I mean, it. it it's it's it very, was, very log like. There wasn't a whole lot of carving done, but it's 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 canoe ish. <laughs> very <laughs> log ask. It was not. Canoe-ish. It was it was definitely one of those that needed the announcement. Do not try this at home at the bottom of Pretty the much. screen, which this entire game really. Yeah. Anyways, continue. <laughs> Right. I'm just going to stop talking at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just say that that is one of the most terrifying yet moving entries into a game I've seen in a long time? Yeah. Because of the voices. Mm-hmm. Which, for, for if, if we can just quick explain, for those who haven't played it, um, from an audio standpoint, this game is like beyond incredible. Throughout the entire game, specifically at the beginning, you have um, the whole thing is recorded. Um, in a binary, binary, help me here. Binary. Basically, binary, yeah. So, like, they they actually show in the behind the scenes. They have this special. Um, it's called a three do um mic, and basically, it's actually got like ears on either side of it, and so like you only hear in one side or the other, whichever one closest to. And so you can kind of like walk around this thing, and so they actually have these voices whispering to you constantly throughout the game, and they like move in and out close and far away from you. You can hear them in one ear and not the other, or you'll hear two different types of things happening on either side of you. And it's all supposed to be like these, literally like the voices in your head. Um, and and just throughout the whole thing, but specifically at the beginning, that it's so haunting the, um, it's like your, your, your own, the way that we think on the daily, right? But just like magnified. So like, you know, like you're scared of something and your brain will be like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I should turn around. And then there's part of the, it's like, no, no, you have to go on. You have to go on. Well, they literally are saying these things to you throughout the entire game, taunting you and also like convincing you you can do these things. And it's just the second, I mean, you can ask the people 
people in chat were watching <laughs> my stream and just instantly in the first like what 30 seconds of the game I'm like I'm sold mm-hmm. <laughs> just, point of oh. order on that do not try to listen to the game without <laughs> seeing the game I try to do that at work <laughs> oh no and it's gonna be so confusing and that's you yeah i had i looked around a couple of times because some of the the audio was just so dead on to like if somebody was behind me and Mm. i wear stereo headphones at work when i'm working on stuff and i was just freaked (laughs) out part of the time it's like oh my god um shout out to the voice actors who did the voices Mm. because she got a lot of variance in the different voices because i think it's all just one actress isn't it the no the so there's the main there's the main one that you're hearing um that's kind of supposed to be like your the main self the I guess, talking to you right but then there are all there's multiple other ones like it, I did you watch the the documentary i wasn't able to no okay i would definitely definitely go watch it um but they they do show that there's there's actually even a uh, i believe a guy involved too there's like three different women and a guy and then there's like the main woman and they all kind of like layer over the stuff mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean like the main woman has does majority like probably would say i have no idea what percent but a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> she gets but, a lot of depth which is awesome mm-hmm. as far as voice acting goes so this canoe you're hearing all these voices and she is essentially trying to go to uh, Helheim, right? During this section, she's trying to get into the that that land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the, start- the opening scene is when she lands on the the she she gets to Helheim, or she gets to well, no. right outside, doesn't she? Because Helheim she, is the big dragon looking thing, right? I mean, Helheim is the the final. Uh, that's where she's trying to make it to mm-hmm. the entire time. You don't actually get there till. Oh, I thought end. I thought the, the entire end, thing was like no, walking through. No, the, the whole thing. The, you have to cross the bridge. The bridge towards the, the end uh, is okay. technically when you're crossing over to Helheim it's, itself. Technically, I always I interpreted the beginning as that it's it's supposed to be almost like her the her land, her area kind of merging with the concept of entering Helheim. That's kind of like, it's kind of like the two bleeding together to me. That might be totally off. Um, I almost interpreted it as part of the merging of Drew's stories with her own world. Okay. So like the, the guy who tells her all the different lore and the stories that she's following essentially. Okay. I mean, it's up for interpretation just, like, by to, all. Understand as far as like the so for, for the as the whole time you're going down this like creek river thing on your log slash canoe, um, it's you see all of these bodies on like there there there's some nasty bodies floating mm-hmm. and hanging and stuck on sticks and all sorts of things. And I I don't know if it's this is I mean this is a great example of how you can kind of the takeaway for everybody is going to be very different. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's intentional, you know, but I, I kind of was taking it like they were at least the bodies and the people were supposed to represent what the Northmen had done to her people. Right. Since her, her village or whatever was obviously attacked by them. Um, but I, that's why I said, like, I don't know if it's supposed to be that it's another space that also was attacked or if it's just supposed to be like kind of her reality is bleeding together 
I think that it's definitely it definitely could be a combination of it because Drew's stories are all about the Northmen. All the lore stones right. are about the Northmen's like histories and the things that they talk about. Blue, you got something? Well, I was going to say, you know, we you've you've mentioned uh, Drewst a couple times, or Drew is it Drewst or Druth? Druth. Okay, Druth. Um, do you want? He makes to... a joke about truth and truth. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you want to expand on truth a little bit? Because it sounds like truth is a is a pretty significant figure in the story. Well, uh, let's. Okay, so there's Sinoa, who's the girl you're basically playing mm-hmm. through, playing as playing through, and she is after the soul of her lover, Dylan. Dillian. Not Dylan, Dillian. I always write it as Dylan. But uh, that's she's going to go get his soul back, essentially. And she has, and just the point, she has his head. Yeah. Yes. Like Correct. has his head wrapped up. Like I mean, like literally, it's it's a lollipop chain style, chainsaw style. <laughs> right. I mean, it kind of is, but it's but not it's as not cute. As, like, it's not as it's, it's it's not as cute. It's and it's just what it is. Right. But it, and it's also <laughs> it's also kind of tiny. Learn to feel that way about it throughout is like at first mm-hmm. there's this like they even the voices as you're as you're canoeing in are like why is it breathing because you literally can see mm. it like inhaling and exhaling and so at first you're like this thing is freaky like why do we have this head and then honestly throughout the game you can't help but kind of become connected to his head too. Like you mm-hmm. start to just get kind of used to it and you kind of care about it at this, in the same way that she does. Like it's weird how the game makes you do that throughout it. Like it makes you start to be okay sort of with the things that are happening. Um, it's such a touchstone for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's a lot of its purpose as far as like it, allowing her to focus and remembering the things that he taught her. Right. But, um, um, as far yeah. as truth, do you want to go on and say the the thing blue? Yeah, I was just gonna say the <laughs> other the other thing with the head is that a lot of a lot of those cultures viewed that as the seat of the soul. Mm-hmm. So if you were going to re, you know reclaim a soul, that is the most important aspect of the body, and it also could have been the only aspect of the body that was left. But I do want to just toss that in there too is from a lore perspective um for this cultural influence i think it's mostly pick and norse that i think if i remember right this is what's drawing from um but the head was often viewed this was this was before the importance of was shifted to the heart in cultures Mm -hmm. but back then because the brain the brain was located in the head and that was where a lot of cultures believe that to be the center of the individual self um or the soul so that was that's another so she needs thing to take that to hell that's, basically to get that's Dillian what i ident- that's what identifies yeah. him that's that's right. him and so because the other thing is is like you see this a lot with like especially with greek mythology um there's not a lot of differentiation between the spiritual essences of things but there is a differentiation in the the individuals that have that spiritual essence. Um, so if if she goes and you know says I need uh, there's a dillion dillion, um, 
without showing who she like there there's a communication gap between mortals and immortals as well and so that is the identifier factor for him for her to then demand for him to be returned and also except that in her case it is different um she's her own gap as well mm-hmm. right um, right she Which... to, to basically explain she part of her part of her what's considered darkness throughout the game is the fact that she can um, I guess in some ways it's interpreted like she can see or communicate with or experience the other side in some ways, yes. uh, but not in a good way necessarily right. to many people. Is that the is that um, the rot that's that she perceives uh, to be growing? Well, <laughs> it depends on how you interpret it, because some yeah. characters throughout the game interpret so like her father interprets it as a very bad thing that being able to see these things is is horrible it's bad she's cursed basically it's this you know um but then people like her mother who also kind of had the same experiences um saw it as almost like a a power a good thing um and other people like even dillian doesn't necessarily encourage it the exact same way that her mother did but um says he's more open he right, you her. have he you experience her. something. You you have a power isn't the right word, I say, but you you have an ability, whether it's good or bad, isn't his concern. It's more she has this ability, and it's something she needs to live with. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? How do we allow you to live with it? Um, and that's part of his big significance in her life is nobody else was really like that. So we we've, we've mentioned the father and the mother. Um, just in passing, the mother is kind of who she quote unquote inherited the gift from. Mm. At least what seems like the father seems to imply. And the father was he some sort of priest type character? I wanted. I think I remember him being something like that. I can't like remember. I don't see, and I and I hesitate because I don't know if it was a a. Uh, Celtic or a, a shamanistic, or if it was actually a, a Catholic. Do you guys? I don't. I don't remember off the top of my head. I've. I'm not sure. I mean, the only they don't basically they don't give you a whole lot of information. Dad, other than of cutscene moments. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest one being when mm-hmm. you see what happened to her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, which was terrifying. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I don't know how much we want to talk about, but that is something that I can't like my entire life. That concept has absolutely terrified me. It was, that was not a fun moment Mm -mm. in the game for me. Um, But I'm not sure. I don't know. I always got the feeling that he did hold some kind of like, at least within her village, some kind of higher up position, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if it was religious related, if it was just like, leadership position right um, or if those are even necessarily separate for her village i have no idea definitely had a sense of power of some sort whether it was necessarily i do know that he was the religious leader of the village so um because that was the point of contention between him and dillian besides the fact that uh, he so the father well, yeah, keeps besides Noah. The, besides the 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 other massive problems that he has, it's just okay. So I love Belle how you connected to the mental health aspect. I actually connected more with the familial 
um, restraining Mm. that happens in the game for me. Um, That's actually slightly personal considering some of my past. So the fact that the father, you find out throughout the game that the father was holding her basically hostage in the house, not letting anybody see her because he thought she was um, sick or had this darkness in her. And you hear that throughout the game, like you have this darkness, you have this darkness. And that drove me a little nutty watching it because it's just like, ah, mm-hmm. it's just it's just, there's not a really good way to describe how it makes you feel like, ugh. No, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, to even to somebody, um, to anybody out there who hasn't necessarily experienced either the extreme mental health end of this or um, any kind of um, either like restraint at home or abuse at home or anything, it's still, they, they do it well enough that if you've experienced it, you're, it's going to hit the nail on the head for you and you're going to connect with it in a certain way. And if you haven't necessarily experienced those, they still do it well enough that you're going to sit there and go, Oh, you can oh, recognize it. Like this you is just, no. <laughs> and you start to understand throughout the entire game, whether it's the things with her dad, the things that she's seen, what happened to Adelian, um, all of these things like you, you start to kind of go, okay, I can understand why she is the way she is. She's experiencing the things she's experiencing Um, because anybody dealing with those things, even just separately, let alone all together, the average human, I don't, there every, I have a personal belief that every single human has a breaking point. (laughs) Um, Just some people have it at a different point than others um, and from different things, if that makes sense. And so there's, you start to understand how somebody could be the way that she is and see the world the way she does um, throughout playing the game. And uh, do we, do we really quick on I know we're trying to get onto other, but I feel like we've kind of skirted past what happened to Dillian. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's, oh, and the only thing is like, don't we find out about that later or do you find out about that right at the beginning? Cause I can't remember where. Well, we found out that, that he's out. dead. Right. Right. You know that. I mean, I don't, are we going like linear? I guess I should question. Are we going linear, linearly through the story or are we just talking like general? I, if you guys haven't caught on, this is a really difficult game to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because the experience is different too, because it kind of jumps around a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the cutscene, the touch, the touch, what are they? Lore stones? Lore stones. I mean, they, they're kind of all over the place too, a bit. Sort of. I mean, they do they, tie they're into They're clumped, the, right? Aren't they? They are. They, yeah, they're, um, as long as you're looking for them, you do find them in order, technically, um, or at least roughly in order. And they do connect with the current elements of the game, like the actual current day parts of the game. Mm-hmm. It's just when you have the, the jumps to cut scenes and stuff that are explaining okay. Okay. how she got to the point she's at and everything. They're kind of all over the place as far as timeline goes, but... It's just like recollections. It almost feels like as far as yeah. the, the cut scenes. Well, I'll um, say, I, and- I, I think the best way to do then would be obviously to kind of take a step back and I'll just basically open it up to spoilers because it, it kind of makes sense to me then to best understand for, for the situation for a main character that Sinua is in, the past is the more actually more important than the present. Uh, to a degree because that's what led her to the decision to or not even really well i mean yeah it is the decision even if it is a subconscious decision 
um, the decision to be where she is. So, I mean, I think, I think my argument would be let's, let's talk about Dillian. Um, and then I know you guys mentioned, uh, is it Galena? Galena is her mother. I think that's, is that right? I think that's right. I think that's her name. Or at least okay. I, I know that's what it looks like as far okay. as reading it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so let's, let's talk about Dillian real quick and then, and then talk about, you know, I know you had mentioned earlier that something, something very traumatic had happened to her mother at the hands of her father, which adds to the trauma. Um, uh, so Dillian, what, what's going on with Dillian? Well, uh, basically there's theories that I think we'll wait on, at least in my opinion, wait on, why this happened to him in particular oh, until we yes. talk about a later part of the game. But as far as what happened to him, these Northmen came into the village, killed a lot of people, if not everybody. I have no idea how much, honestly, but Dillian was the one that mattered to our main character. And um, he was killed in uh, what's basically known as like one of the, if not the most, um, gruesome ways a person could be killed uh fitting in that time period and <laughs> uh lifestyle i guess and that's called a blood eagle um mm-hmm. it's it's pretty nasty it basically involves like almost kind of creating wings out your back via your uh rib arteries split yeah. and stuff um so there is there is there is a a point where you do see um vaguely see uh him hung up like this and this is how she finds him so on top of already dealing with some mental health things uh separately she's now seen the love of her life who was helping her um at least be slightly more stable or at least be able to um get out of her really bad episodes um not only dead, but uh, killed in a very, very not, not fun way. Not that there's really any fun way to be killed, but mm. um, it's it's, it's, a, it's a very shocking, yes, and put on display um, as he was. And um, the reason that she found him like this, um, rather than that she was there when it happened, is because she had removed herself from the village. Because she was trying to go, um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. There's a thing, there's actually a name for basically when, if somebody was de- feeling this darkness or dealing with something, um, they would go basically kind of remove themselves from society and go spend some time on their own to basically kind of refine themselves and try to get rid of it and mm-hmm. then come back. And I can't remember what it's called. Um, but she was trying to do that um, mainly for the sake of Dillian. Um, and then she comes back in Dillian's dead. So she feels not only has she triggered more things for herself, but also that she, you know, blames herself for his death and for not being there. But she thought she was doing the right thing by removing herself from society for a while. So it's kind of a, a catch 22 for her. Everything kind of just sucks at this point. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that you find out about her mother a little bit later is that Bill kind of hinted at it a bit earlier that her father actually um, basically burns her at the stake. It was actually kind of a witch hunt scenario. I can't like, I remember the cutscene just because it was so impactful, but at the right. same time, it's like, you want to block that out a little bit. Right. That's definitely the way that it 
reads is that it was um, basically, you know, labeling her as either not as I don't know if it was necessarily as a witch, but as their equivalent of, you know, like right, she has the darkness. darkness, she's evil, she's bad. It's going to spread. We need to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Senua's entire life, basically, she has remembered it as that her mother took her own life, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize has, it. Right. Um, so there, there's kind of a big difference, too. <laughs> Yeah. Dad killed my mom. Mom decided to take her own life. Neither one's good, but well, you know, yeah. But that's also in your well, but that's also congruent with actual reality too. Is when you're faced with some unspeakable trauma, your your brain will will separate reality from a fantasy and Mm -hmm. bury it. Amnesia is the best defense that a brain has to to severely traumatic experiences such such as your father burning your mother at a stake that 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 definitely qualifies as a traumatic event right in which you don't learn about that until almost the very very end you don't learn the truth about what your father did until the very very end of the game essentially the other thing is that does she have terrible feelings towards her father at the beginning it almost doesn't feel like it because, like, the first few times that you hear his voice, mm-hmm. um, which you don't even realize is her dad. At least I right. didn't at first. Um, right. You just hear this, like, really deep. Can we just tell him? He has one freaking epic voice. Okay. Uh-huh. He totally <laughs> so you just, does. You, he, you hear this deeper voice. And at first, it's it's not as encouraging, but it's not completely, like, trying to take her off the right path, I guess, is the best way I could explain it. Um, so at first, the, your first impression of this voice isn't that it's necessarily straight up bad. Um, but I do think that as as time goes through the game, her realization of her hatred towards her father, and I don't know if it's just that she buried that as well. Well, that um, would make sense. If I mean, it, it it would be it would make sense that you would bury because you're not supposed to hate your parents, right? Right. It's not acceptable to hate your parents. Well, and if you're forgetting in, one of the main reasons that you Right, right. But dis- I mean that's that's <laughs> the thing is like the disconnect between what you're what you're expected socially to do and then what you actually feel is is a very large traumatic event in and of itself, just in general. Like, I mean, not even taking taking aside or taking out the literal deaths that were happening here. That disconnect in in and of itself, that dissonance causes trauma in general everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. That's why you have the the quote unquote stereotypical moody teenagers is because they're trying. That's that's a standard attempt to to create a harmony with that dissonance because they're they're exploring. You are exploring your own personal emotions and your responses to the world compared to what you're being told is you're supposed to be your response. You know, you're that's where the rebellious age and all that, that's where that comes in is that's that figuring out of what exactly, who am I? What am I supposed to do? What am I allowed to do? Having all of this. And then, and then, yeah. And then add on top that you actually have a legit reason. Like, you know, it's not, it's not your, her dad took away her cell phone. You know, it, no, her dad is actually kind of a, I don't want to say anything necessarily bad. Yeah, let's go with that one. Like, I mean, he actually did severely bad things. And these feelings are legitimate. But there's still that dissonance because 
the edu- the education in the society that she's in, it's respect your elders, right? You do what your elders mm-hmm. tell you, you know, all that. So I, I, I would, I would not be surprised if she doesn't even know she hates her father until, okay. you know, <laughs> until later. Well, and when that's the one person you have left in your life, right? At this point, like you're not going to choose to hate the only like family or loved one you have left necessarily, unless you have to, you know, because um, she's kind of lost everybody else. I never really had anybody b- besides her mom and Dillian as positive things. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of wonder just you're talking about his epic voice which that voice isn't the same voice actor for the father the voice of the darkness shadow character that shows up periodically throughout the game yeah and that's what i was saying is i think as um as it goes on you connect that they are at least to me i connect like they were one and the same Mm -hmm. eventually into one character i did too and I also love that constantly the, the, the shadowy version of him always speaks um, in rhyme, basically, mm-hmm. which makes it so much more haunting, too. Um, and, like, starts off as almost being, like, the... Almost like a, a good version of a, like, conscience, almost. And then slowly you realize that it's just in control of her, trying to control her, trying to, again, like her father was doing, hold her back. Um, from what she believes and what she thinks is best for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that she has to overpower that eventually. So that's kind of her backstory. We mentioned the Furies at the beginning. Um, there's one other character that is in her past before she goes on this trip that you learn about throughout this campaign or the story is Truth, which we mentioned him at the beginning. And he's more of a he's not an essential character to her history, except for he tells her the stories. He's, he's the one who tells her about the Northmen stories and he was captured by the Northmen originally. We find out. And, um, we find out at the end, possibly (laughs) some, some other things about him, unfortunately, but his character, he comes in and out throughout the game. Not super important to her backstory, but important to the game at kind of overall towards the end. Right. Uh, he, my, my question, and this is something that I've been still trying to figure out, is was she supposed to have met him while she was on her little, I really wish I could remember what it's called, but her... Like sabbatical type thing? Society. Yeah. Was that supposed to be when she met him was when she's out in the woods or whatever? She finds him injured out there. That entire like conversation between them, like him, her getting to know him, her helping him out, was that supposed to be while she was gone? Because like, there's no, there's no like context of him ever being involved mm-hmm. in the village. And like, the only thing we know is that he escaped the Northmen. We don't know where she meets him necessarily. There is the the cut scene at the end, that extra cut scene mm-hmm. that it looks like he's in firelight, which would kind of imply that he is out in the wilderness with her. But I mean, there, it's a fairly pre um, electricity society anyway. So firelight doesn't necessarily be indicative that it is. Oh, that is not a cool theory blue that you just put in chat. <laughs> 
<sighs> oh yeah, no, that's well, that well, that okay. We so basically overall, Druth is a character that at least according to the story you hear during the game, he was captured by the Northmen. Um, he basically one of the things that Northmen do is and blue or green. This is one of those ones where you guys are going to pop in with names. There's this like fire god. I don't remember the name of the fiery god. Valvrin? Yeah, yeah. Valvraven? No, Valraven's the first one. The suitor. That's that's like the raven he had one. I'm talking the one that's got like the... Suitor. Yeah, that's suitor. Yeah, sure. That person. Thing. God. (laughs) Which actually is in North mythology too. Yes. Like, Like both of them are technically in North mythology, but suitor is the more important one. But one of the things that they do in order to, um, I guess, like call upon him, I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's to call upon, I don't remember what it is, basically mm-hmm. to trigger something with him, they would actually take these, um, and I don't know if this part is like actual, <laughs> like truth or not, this is just in the game, you guys love to correct me about the, I rely on you guys to know the actual like lore stuff here, that's not what I'm here for, <laughs> But that he, um, they would take people, usually um, basically slaves of theirs, and tie them up and set them on fire to, like, sacrifice them to this god. And that Druth was supposedly one of the people who was supposed to be getting burned. I believe, from our understanding, he did get somewhat burned and ended up getting away. So when she meets him, he's very badly hurt. Um, And she kind of helps nurse him back to health ish question mark and he kind of shares stories with her they become kind of really strange companions um and he makes a vow to her that he will always basically help her out in this life and in the next which is kind of important because the entire time she's taking her trip to hell um he's telling her these um, like Norse stories that mm-hmm. go in line with what she's experiencing. And the question that I always have with this is, is are, is are his stories happening to line up with what she's experiencing or is she experiencing them because of the stories he's told her? Like, is he, is she creating this experience as she goes through it based on the stories that he's told her? And that's why they're kind of in her head. That's why she's experiencing it the way she is. Or, is she just like kind of, are they actually two separate like experiences? I know it's kind of, a, I don't know if that question made sense, but I don't it's think like they're a two chicken separate. And, yeah. I don't think they're two I, separate experiences. Mm-hmm. I think First, it's a chicken and the yeah. egg type thing too. I mean, I'll just break game wall there because it's a video game. So anything that happens in the video game is not, it's going to be connected. Like there, there's a reason why. So, right. you know, other than that obvious cheap answer um (laughs) i do like what you said there is that she's creating this scenario based on what Mm -hmm. he was telling her because the other thing that i kept thinking too when i was watching is like who's to say that this is actually i mean the first obvious question is who's to say this is actually happening right which is what a lot of reviewers have talked about like this is this a wait there's a question about mind? that because i thought i mean maybe, no, i'm not there, trying to like i mean no i mean I, no i mean rhetorically it's it's like but it, it's not even so much okay. as it's not so much as is this really happening no i'm i'm actually kind of narrowing in on think about druth as a as a counselor could this be him helping her through a situation that she is still in the forest going through an, an episode 
you know, or and this is, is her walk and through. This is it? her walk. This is her walk through. Oh, dude, you just like inceptioned this beyond mm-hmm. where I was thinking. But but that's that's the thing is like from a from a counseling perspective, this is exactly what a counselor, a good counselor, would do, is they would role play it, and and this is this is literally her taking her problems head on, you know, and and going to battle with this this ethereal darkness that is within her. And challenging mm-hmm. that darkness and challenging the problems that she's having mm-hmm. and all that. And it, I mean, it's basically phenomenological psychology is what this is. Right. I'm just, I think I'm like, it's weird because like half of me is stuck on the, the way I played it. But none of it is not really happening. Like, obviously, my opinion, she's not actually going like to meet Hella. She's not actually like Mm-mm. taking his head anywhere because the game kind of shows you that that's the case. <laughs> right. Um, at the end. But... Um, you know, you taking it to that whole other level blue of that maybe like my question is Dillian even dead necessarily then mm-hmm. is, is is him being dead her creation of what her darkness would do to him or is that is that you know and I and I don't mean to present Druth as a good character necessarily but could it be that yeah, Druth yeah right right <laughs> well and yeah yeah anyways um but I mean could it be that it was a challenge to her of like why are you why are you leaning on this this man why are you why are you leaning on this other person you have the strength within you to do this and that's kind of the ending too if i remember is kind of like she kind of ultimately comes to an acceptance a a degree of acceptance of everything that's going on and Mm -hmm. she stands herself she stands for herself not she doesn't she doesn't need dillion she doesn't need her father she doesn't need her mother she doesn't need the furies she doesn't need she doesn't need all these other things. She doesn't she doesn't need the sword, the the really important sword that she gets. I think yeah, it wasn't that with Odin's challenges. Like yeah. you took this in a way more positive light for the ending. This is really interesting to me. But that's but actually I mean, how I interpreted it too. Is like she's actually gained all these skills and is able to stand up for herself at the but end. But that's that's the thing is like that's that is a healthy that's a healthy counseling session is what that is. That is, that is you are challenging your demons and you, and it's not pretty. I mean, that's what I loved mm-hmm. about the cutscenes. that, you know, granted I don't have a play, a PlayStation, so I haven't actually played the game, but from what I've seen, I've seen all the cutscenes, and I've seen most of the, you know, of the stuff that I have seen. It reminds me a lot of what a lot of counselors will encourage people who have severe trauma I mean, this is you don't shy away from the 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 dirty aspects of these traumas because to shy away from it is to to let it win. You sweep it under the rug, it's just going to come back. I mean, that's basic subconscious psychology is like you you put it in your subconscious, guess what? It's 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 still there. You're still thinking about it, you mm-hmm. just aren't aware of it. Well, and it's like so, even just the way they if somebody has a um, a phobia, for example, yes. I know it's going a slightly yes. different route, but like my my mom's a I grew up with a mom a therapist my entire life, so um, I, I got I got the up close and personal experience with how all that stuff goes. <laughs> but um, you know, when if you have somebody that has a phobia, um, like for example, if somebody's got like agoraphobia, um, mm-hmm. which would be like the fear of like public spaces and people and stuff, um, one of the things that you would do is go through a process of um, very kindly forcing forcing is not necessarily the right word, but it like kind of like a, a, a number of small goals that build up. So even just something as simple as opening your window that day, 
and then scaffolding. Be like opening your door and standing yeah, it's, it's, inside yeah. still, but opening the door and then close the door. And the next day, you know, like maybe you take one step outside and eventually you get to the point where you're walking, you know, down your sidewalk. Um, and hopefully someday that leads to, to going to the market or something, you know, like it's, it's this, it's a, it's a process and it is the facing the fear head on. Um, just in this case, if that's the case, dang, they went like, they went in deep. Well, and I think, <laughs> I think the other thing too, is I kind of take the, 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 the brute, the brutality of the, the game. I, I, I kind of took that as like, this is, she is genuinely not in the modern era. Like this is not a, this is not a, you know, right. housewife who has problems and, you know, this is not that. This is someone who is legitimately in this type of scenario, whatever. And so the the level of brutality and the level of um, uh, mysticism. Yeah, the mysticism. I was I was going more for like the grittiness and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. the mysticism and in the in the cultural like the supernatural religious aspect of it. Um, that makes sense within the the historical context of what we're right. what we're seeing with her. Um, right. but I'm, I'm actually begging the question too, is because this is also making the case that mental illness and mental health and, you know, mental issues have always been there. They've yep. always been there. Yep. This is nothing new. And I, I think that's, we talk about them all the time. Like they are, it's like they crept up oh, no, no, like yeah. 10 years or something. Yeah. Like, Little oh, look, did we know that until, depressed. until, until, <laughs> until the Gulf war PTSD didn't exist. No, no. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the problem is, uh, and you guys, I yes, mental illness has been there forever, but mental health studies have not been, and so we have not had words for a well, lot that's of these fair. things, that's PTSD fair. and um, yeah, bipolar disorders and stuff. Right? I mean, we've never had words for this, so a lot of the psychology was not developed until the 1900s, and a lot of the stuff which That's this fair. is showing, it That's was fair. labeled as madness or oh, right. darkness or anything right. like that, which is what this game is. It's showing you the perspective of what may have theoretically happened as far as being labeled that way back then. Right. And no, I think that's a very good point. And I like that point. Um, and I, I think <clears throat> it, uh, hmm. I like the point because I think the other thing that that shows is that even though we didn't have words for it and green, correct me here. If I'm, if I'm misunderstanding that, even if we didn't have the semantics to describe what was going on, the resolution was still kind of the same. Like the resolution to, to dealing with some of these problems is, is still pretty similar to the resolutions that we have that are successful today. Well, I mean, if they actually address them at all, right? For well, many, I mean, many, right, many right. years they were just locked up in insane asylums because they didn't know what to do with them. Right. Well, we have we have a, a local. Um, we literally have an area here, Asylum Point. Um, it's actually like a nature preserve area now, but it's also on the same road that the Winnebago Mental Health um, Building facility? Hospital facility, whatever term we want to use is on but it used to be called an asylum um and it was one of the main ones in this entire area and it is where literally in the past um they literally did anything Uh, even people who had um non-mental health 
what we would consider today mental health issues, but then may like that now we would consider more like a physical ailment, but that may um, come across as having some mental Mm -hmm. um, effects as well would just be like literally just thrown in there and they had no idea what to do with them. There was no, there wasn't the studying done in the way. And when there there was was, studying done, it was a very not (laughs) good version of studying people. Um, Yeah. And, and, I mean, and how, it's kind of scary how recent some of like when I was looking at the history of this place, how recent some of it. Right. Um, I mean, from it, an educational psychology, a lot of students who may be Down syndrome or autism were not mm-hmm. allowed in classrooms. And there's still areas that they're still not allowed in classrooms. They have their own special classrooms. There's not inclusion anymore. But right. it, mental health developments are still fairly new. But mental health um ailments i guess yes yes i like that i like that yes yeah have been around forever it's not like our brains have changed that drastically just because we're dealing with current day issues right Um, you know realistically you were talking about blue the the time period and stuff it being more more gritty right um is a good example of it does it kind of represents the the idea of you know, we not not in any way saying that what somebody may deal with today is necessarily any less than what somebody may have dealt with in, in her world and her time mm-hmm. period. Um, but that, you know, there wasn't the the availability at all to go seek help. You were literally like basically shunned from your village or burned at a stake or, you know, go remove yeah. yourself and figure Maslow's, it out if you come Maslow's back so broken well. Maslow's you know? hierarchy was a little bit skewed in their case. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, one thing I did want to hit on with the the, the darkness that we keep mentioning, um, and, and one time Blue, you called it the rot, um, is, and that is what they call it throughout the game. Um, one of the cool ways that they represent this throughout the game, um, other than just hearing the voices in your head and seeing kind of the grotesque things that you see and, and stuff, is also that um, pretty early on in the game... <laughs> pretty much your first like encounter with anything like any enemies at all um you basically see yourself like die <laughs> mm-hmm. um and and at first you think that your character literally just died you're like oh what now did i just like no, lose dark the souls what? what happened like it literally it throws you off and then all of a sudden it cuts to showing another version of yourself walking up and seeing yourself dead and you're like okay and you you end up being told basically that you're seeing what is to come um and throughout it um starting from that moment on senua's hand um has like a a, i guess for lack of better terminology like it looks very burnt and crispy i guess but also kind of veiny and grotesque look up a picture it's it's really well done but um basically Every time that you fail an encounter um, or you die in the game, um, the rot, as it's called, grows up your arm. And you're told that if it grows all the way up to your head, your character dies. And the way the game portrays it at the beginning is that it's a permadeath, that you lose your progress, that her Mm -hmm. story starts back over. And this is where I paused the game for like a good 10 minutes. It was like, chat, does anybody know if this is true? Because like, just for my own sanity, I don't know if I can handle <laughs> a game that's going to do that. And as far as I know, it doesn't actually reset you. And the the theory I came up with for why 
is that basically the concept is as long as you're making progress, right? And because the way the game is built, you're always technically making progress. It's resetting you back to the last save point. Um, If you were to actually fail, then your character would like permanently die. But because throughout the game, you are technically making progress up to the point you get stuck at, you're never actually perma-dying. I know it's kind of a weird explanation. I I explained it to myself better (laughs) right after I played it, but um, it's it's a very... Um, good representation of of the the, the I guess the the mental um, issues that she's dealing with, literally being this like visual um, tangible thing mm-hmm. throughout the game. Because you know, a lot of times mental health is a um, invisible illness. It's it's not something that you're necessarily seeing. And even if you see somebody crying, um, that's 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 not representing what's actually going on inside of them there there is no adequate way to even put into words what somebody is dealing with um i mean this like i said this game is one of the closest i've ever seen to coming to to showing this um this extent of mental health um and so having this this rot be this like visual representation of it i think is really cool and it helps um especially if you're not somebody who deals with it to any kind of even remotely close level to what Mm -hmm. the main character does it really helps you um understand how every single bad experience even if it's small can rot away at your well-being it's yeah it just shows how fragile she is like every everything that would be perceived as a defeat can lead to instability yes Definitely. And uh, I don't know, it just <laughs> talking about it makes me want to play. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely, it's a fun one. It, it reminds me, does it play like God of War? I know that's like a side tangent, but it, the way, it, like watching it, I have a PlayStation. I've never, I've never played God of War. Um, I've been okay. kind of told not to by what? people who, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You guys have to understand that I made a really, um, I stepped very far out of my comfort zone to play Hellblade because I don't do um, grotesque very well. I don't do horror. It's not the stereotypical horror game. It's not like jump scare, um, but it is. It is very creepy. It is. There are definitely some nasty things in the game. It deals with some really intense stuff, both mm-hmm. like visually and just mentally. Um, so it was. I don't. I don't play games generally like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made the exception because I'd heard, I walked in not knowing a whole lot about the game. I had heard that made me go, okay, I need to experience this because I knew that I was going to um, connect a little too well to elements of her experience. Right. Um, which was also a concern for me. Yeah. I was really worried that it was going to be a bad thing for me to do. Um, but it, I think in the end was therapeutic, honestly. Um but anyway, that was kind of I. So I can't really. I don't know as far as God of War goes. And that's okay. It's Sorry. just <laughs> watching it because of the puzzle type. I mean, there's there's physical battles that you have in the game, mm-hmm. but there's also these puzzle type challenges you have to. Which I would argue are the bigger element of the entire right. game. And that's the what combat. The combat, realistically, just from a dev point, is not the. I love you, Ninja Theory, but the combat's not the best built that it could be 
Um, it has some weird moments, some quirky things that happen that shouldn't, um, that are frustrating. <laughs> just dodge a lot. Uh, but the problem is sometimes dodge just doesn't dodge. You can, you doesn't always respond properly. Like there's, you know, just talking about it from that, that standpoint, which is why I, I immediately, after I, after I recognized that, um, that is not the main element to this game. And yeah. that it's okay if it frustrates me, I'll get through it eventually. I was like, oh, okay, okay. The, the 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 puzzles, the experience is more of what this is about, and there's some right. combat. Which again is a message to... in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But yeah, the puzzles are incredible, and I wish us the best of luck on explaining them to people. <laughs> well, okay. Memorize so, all your runes. No, well, yeah, kind of. But like the, you have the, oh gosh, you have to line up like your vision with certain Basically, things. Basically, yeah, you see these, you see these images, you see their letters, I'm assuming they're runes. Like, lettering, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you see these normally on doorways. Um so they're the basically you have to use these to open the doors. And what it what it is is um when it comes to psychosis, which I don't know if we hit on well, but the main the main mental topic atta- uh, tackled in this game is particularly psychosis. Mm-hmm. Um and one of the um common experiences of people who deal with it is uh, seeing like symbols or seeing meaningful things in the world that aren't necessarily there. Um, a lot of times it'll be like in a shape and they'll be like, Oh, that looks like this letter. This must mean something. And some people get so obsessed with like decoding what it is um, that they, they lose themselves in it completely. Um, and so throughout it, you see these images on doors and you basically, um, it kind of is like ingrained in your mind's eye, I guess if you want to say it like visually, that's how you see it in the game is it's kind of like this, you see a, a silhouette of it, I guess, mm-hmm. and you walk around and you try to actually find this exact same image in the world around you and you focus on it. And when you do that, now you've collected it, you can walk back over the door and you've opened the door. Um, that's just one of the examples of the, mm-hmm. the, and I love, I love the way that it, it just feels like a game mechanic when you're first playing it. And then if you either know about psychosis or once you learn more about it after watching the video at the end, you're like, oh my goodness! They represented yep. this really well as far as like they did an amazing it's beyond job game mechanic. <laughs> they did an amazing um, job with that that function. I love yeah. it because it's all about and, it's all about your perception of reality, which yes. is and there's there's multiple different. Yeah. Um. So there's the there's seeing the symbols. There's um these like big masks. I guess is the best way to put it that you'll find in different areas, and when you look through them the way that you see the world around you is different. Mm. So like, for example, there's like a rainy dark version of the world and there's like a bright, um, slightly more colorful, sunny version of the world. And in the two different worlds, things are different. So like Mm. in the sunny version, you might have a gate that's locked and you can't get through it. But in the um, rainy version, because everything's kind of been destroyed, you can now get through that area. Um, and so you kind of have to switch between the two perspectives of the world to to um, make it through a puzzle. And one of my other ones that I love is, so you'll come across like a staircase that's missing a huge section of it. 
Oh, that's these are at the cool. right angle. This is my favorite. Yeah, if you stand at the right angle, it it like these little shards that are kind of just floating in in your vision, I guess, line up and and when you focus on it, it recreates the staircase. And now it's a solid staircase, and you can walk up it. Um, so it's kind of like this. It it is kind of giving that element of um being in like a very strange version of control of her the world around her because of the way she perceives it. Right. Um, it it gives you like okay so the shattered one i always i always kind of viewed it as a shattered perspective mm-hmm. that people experience and the other thing was with the mask like you step in and we everybody does this you put on a mask to cope with the yep. world yep so i'm so glad i'm so so glad you brought that up mhm so, yeah there's all the puzzles are tied into mental health and psychology on top of the whole psychosis thing and even the bosses are tied into the psychology because mm-hmm. you have the boss of uh, Valvrin, who is the first boss you meet, and he's the master of illusions. And she has to figure out how to refocus her mind again with that. Yeah. And then you have Suter, who is the, the fire boss type thing, and you have to learn how to deal with pain and how to overcome it. Yep. And it's... It's, it's all tying back in. It's such a such a well done game. And this is this is green, uh, green and build. This is why I see this as a giant form of counseling. Is because exactly what you just said, Green. It's mm-hmm. it's teaching you how to shift the way that you perceive the world. And mm-hmm. for someone with psychosis, that is a very important ability. Because mm-hmm. psychosis is marked by a break from reality. And and that's not to say that what they perceive is not real. They perce- what they perceive is real is real, but it's not an abstract form of reality. And so like their their perception of like the, the god of um, fire, for example, pain. You know, for her, that's a very important lesson to learn because that's the acceptance of that pain that she's been carrying with her, you know, and and that's something, again, that I kind of see as when at the end, at the end, when she walks away from the fight and she's standing by herself because she's also realized, you know, the whole the whole ending when the final revelation of of who everyone actually is kind of comes in. That's that's part of that rel- that revelation is mm-hmm. and, and at least in from what I'm what I what I took it as that was part of the 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 worst demon in yourself is yourself mm-hmm. well and uh, not to I, I not to jump over the the bosses that we were talking about here but in connection with what you were just saying blue is the um the challenges that you face later on um mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the odin's challenges odin's right? challenges yeah um I would say almost represent that even more directly than these first two bosses do. Cause these first yeah. two bosses are your oh, initial yeah. trying to get into the first door. Even like you have to literally beat two bosses, go through all these other things, deal with the illusions, refocusing yourself, dealing with the pain, running away from fire, all this stuff before you even ever get in the first dang door. Okay. <laughs> like, um, and then there's a point where basically you, you lose your, uh, your initial sword and, you have to go seek out a different sword that you find out is one that can um, kill a god, 
to my understanding. Is that right? Yes, it's from the mythology. It's actually a Norse um, sword that is used that was gifted from Odin to somebody else, gifted to Sigmund, I think, or Herbert. Yeah, I can't that sounds remember. right. I think it was Sigmund. Sigmund, it was Sigmund's sword. It was gifted to him, and then there's other things that happened in that lore, but it's an actual Norse mythology thing. Which is super awesome, because this is the point where I started to finally... I, I'm sure I could have connected it earlier than this, but this is the point where I started to fully understand that all of the... Throughout it, you find these little, like symbols um on little stones or whatever and you focus on them and that's when Druth cuts in and tells you little snippets of like actual lore stories and this is the first point where I went oh my goodness like these completely match up with what you're doing because he starts to tell you these stories of of what's fitting with what you're literally trying to do with the with getting these this sword well the problem is the sword is not whole you have to find the different shards and put it together and blah 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 and the part that I love is that this is the first point where we you really get to go back and you learn about Dillian, how they met, um, why he's so significant to her. Um, and that he Dillian represented this person who saw the world for all of its beauty. Um, and he had a lot of strength in her eyes and that he also saw strength in her that she wasn't used to seeing in herself or having other people see in her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is the, the only moment in the entire game, basically, <laughs> You get to see a really pretty world for like mm-hmm. one minute during a little cutscene thing. Um, and um, I love that the, so the idea of comparing that Odin gifted this sword to somebody is very similar to throughout her trying to find the shards to the sword and even been directed to know about the sword. It's Dillian that's taking her there. So it's like Dillian is like Odin gifting this sword to her for her mm-hmm. quest. Um, and basically you go through these different challenges that are so directly um, experiencing different elements of, um, and I'm not even going to say psychosis at this point. Um, this goes, at least in my opinion, uh, even broader than yep, um, I would agree. psychosis. And it's dealing with uh, what, I generally call at least an element of it. One of these particular um, challenges was dealing with what I call being getting floaty. So I'm going to get personal for a second, if that's okay with you guys. Mm -hmm. Go for Um, it. I, as somebody who deals with what is called, mine's basically a combination of what some people call uh, depersonalization disorder and other people would call it uh, dissociative disorder. Um, and basically it's this concept of you kind of separate from reality, not necessarily to the point that somebody who's dealing with psychosis does. Um, you're not necessarily completely living outside of reality. Majority of the time, you're not necessarily seeing things that aren't there, but you're not fully experiencing the actual world. Um, the way I always put it is like the world to me becomes not tangible anymore. I know it's there, but I'm not fully experiencing. I'm not, I have like tunnel vision. I don't feel things the same way. Everything is hyper-focused on the emotional experience that I'm having. Um, And it's kind of like a protective state that your body sort of goes into. Um, It's like, I can't deal with the actual world around me because there's so much going on in my head right now. That is all I can even remotely think about trying to focus on. Um, And one of the challenges that you go through is where you basically can't see it all. Um, 
the game gives you a little bit of vision because, you know, completely walking in pitch black wouldn't work very well for a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything is very, it's, it's, you can't see beyond a few feet in front of you. And what you can see is very um, skewed, it's almost like echolocation style, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and you're trying to, you're freaked out. You're like, what the heck do I do? And the whole time Dillian is in your ear talking you through it, saying like, well, what can you hear? What can you feel? And so you're using your other senses other than sight to kind of make your way through this challenge. And there's these kind of monstrous things that you have to try to avoid um, along the way. And there's dead bodies and there's all sorts of things. And it's this, um, you know, literally feeling your way through. And when you get out of this particular experience, um, I think this is the right one where it goes to a cutscene of, um, Dillian saying, wow, you, you know, you, you did it, you're back. And you realize that it's, it's comparing to a time when she had an episode where she was just completely not coherent to mm-hmm. the outside world anymore. She was in her own darkness, her own version of the world. Um, and that he actually was literally talking her kind of through getting out of this episode. And that was the first time she'd ever had somebody do that and she gives him all the credit like in the cutscene, she's like you did this you helped me through and he goes well no you just you just needed a little bit of hope you needed a little bit of like basically somebody telling you you can do it that was all you though and that was super important that somebody gave her the credit and the power for what she did for herself um and that was the one where i this particular challenge was really really hard for me because i literally have dealt with exactly this before um myself and it, I, I literally have almost never seen a representation as good as what they did here that was at least from my personal experience with it that was so nail mm-hmm. <laughs> like just they it was it was so so well done and even talking about right now is like it, it puts me back to that feeling a little bit which is good hard but good mm-hmm. um and that that was just one example of one of the the challenges where it just it goes like this is the point where up until now you could have been like okay I'm playing kind of a really eerie Norse themed game there's some bad stuff going on she's dealing with some stuff but at this point you're like okay I am playing a game where I am dealing with mental health like mm-hmm. it, they're just like at this point if you haven't figured it out we're gonna make it very clear to you and I think oh, that's yeah. Cool. <laughs> I mean, there's, and it's not just, I mean, the aspect that you tied onto was like the blindness test, essentially, mm-hmm. a lot more. I, I locked onto the labyrinth. It's, it's just the feeling of being utterly lost. And it's something that everyone can, like, everybody ties oh, into. Oh, you, you have to light the fires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then just, there's some sort of fear, like all four of them, you're dealing with some sort of fear. Man. It's just it. Everybody can lock into it mm-hmm. in and some you, way, shape, or form. When you complete them, this is the first point in the game where I went. I feel like her in a good way for the first mm-hmm. time in the game where I went. I completed this. I got through that, and I don't think it's just because I connected with it like as deeply as I did, but also just going. I overcame something that is really hard for some people to overcome and that everybody connect at least to some part of like, we understand some element of that struggle and you did it. You know, I mean, it, it may seem silly to some people. It's like, Oh, it's a game, but it, it represents 
whole lot more if you let it. Um, I will say that this act, just to break the fourth wall a tiny bit, this is a point where we felt like we accomplished something. And yes, um, Sinua does too. But like you were saying, she attributes everything to Dillian. Right. And so she's still trapped in the thinking of, I need somebody to help me. I need, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm helpless. I need somebody to help me out of this. That's very true. It's and the way they represent that in the game is cool because the whole time throughout each of these challenges, you're following this like very um, ethereal light version of Dillian's like silhouette, basically. Um, so it's literally giving him like almost angelic kind of figure is the way it looks. Um, mm-hmm. And that he's kind of leading you through. And the voices in your head the entire time are like, that's not really him. You don't need him. Don't worry. And then ha- the other half are like, go to him, go to him. You need him. Like it's, it's literally, Oh, it's so the number of things that pile on to, to the experience. Um, it's just, it's so good. I do. I love as somebody who doesn't normally get into the real lore, I guess I should call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was so cool tying in the, um, the actual like mythology as you're experiencing each of these too. Like every time you walk up to a challenge, um, Druth cuts in and kind of tells you, um, about the people, right. Like the myth, the mythology version of to kind of go do sort of, but it's all pieced together. Like it's all one story that you're experiencing. He's giving you shards of it as you collect shards of the, um, and I just, I love, I love the number of like layers of what they're teaching you as you go and what you're experiencing. What's brilliant about like the, the lore stones or the shards that you're collecting is there's a few brilliant things that they did with it. One, the mechanics of it in general, delivering tiny stories that you could take by themselves mm-hmm. each individually and still get something from it. But they're all tied together also. Then you have like the whole things in a circle with all the symbols, the runes. Each dot in between the groupings of them is one set of a story as well. Right. So there's 10 separate stories that Druth is telling you, but you're getting like four, five, six between each one of them. And each of the stories tie so closely into what she's doing in game. Like you have the stories of the frost giants that you learn about Sutor, which is actually the fire giant that's supposed to cause Ragnarok at the end. Um, you learn about Odin and Grammar and uh, Hela herself, the kind of main quote unquote bad guy that you're going after. Mm-hmm. And you, the lore, the lore tabs are really well done to help guide you through a so the lore is not the point of the game. The right. lore is the vehicle of the game. Right. And it does a good job also of tying into um, keeping you in the right, um, I guess, like time period and world that she's living in mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's kind of like a good reminder of like, these are stories that are, 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 aren't necessarily just stories to some of these people. Like these are, these are explanations of, of why things are the way they are this time too. And um you know, and then especially to her, um, you know, if we're going with the idea that none of this is actually happening the way she's experiencing it, um, these stories are representing um, her version of her experience, right? They're they're helping build 
um, what she's going through, um, which in a sense, like it sounds, it, it may sound like it's a person losing themselves to something not good, but I would argue to say that it's giving her a representation that helps her um, at least have the potential to try to tackle what she's dealing with by putting it into story form for herself. Right. Um, sometimes it's easier to, as long as you're able to make that connection to reality again, sometimes it's easier to give a representation to yourself or an analogy, mm-hmm. you know, like the way we talk all the time when we try to explain something difficult to each other, what do we do? We talk we in story. Right. And so, um, or we, we pick a story from that person's life that we know they'll understand. And we try to put it into perspective of what we're experiencing. And that's kind of what she's doing for herself throughout it. So you could argue that it's, it's at least a step in a possibly healthy direction, even though the way she's. It's, it's a vehicle. It. It's a coping me- mechanism. It's right. a, speaking in a language that she can understand figurative language that allows her to ad- adjust eventually see how to adjust through it mm-hmm. blue what do you i know you have something well i was actually gonna say uh actually exactly what you guys are saying um from a historical and literal or not a literary context that's the entire point of mythology and um you know grimm's fairy tales for example is mm-hmm. a very very good example of this um you see in a lot of kid or a lot of younger um, fairy tales and mythology and mythos in general, this very, very severe separation between the dark and the light, the good and the evil. And that's because psychologically speaking in a development cycle, children aren't really able to understand grays. They, they really, that, that doesn't really happen until later in life, um, which is why Grimm's fairy tales are so gruesome to be mm-hmm. blunt um is because it it is a it's a lesson that's the point that's what stories are meant for that's what stories were always have always been meant for um and so but i think that's also bell i think you kind of hit what i was actually going to say is that this is the historical context in which she exists so of course if this is if this is a a um representation of something that's not actually happening that it is a mental exercise let's just call it that then this of course would be the flavor of that mental exercise because this is these are the stories that she knows and Mm -hmm. that goes that goes back to druth as being the storyteller you know this is how you guide a person who is dealing with problems you tell them a story i mean that's what you guys were just saying you tell them a story you you help them understand the problem that they're facing via the the safer vehicle of the depersonalization of a story because then it's not happening to them right it's just happening to a character in a story but the lesson that's learned the lesson that is gained is still there and then that's again i I keep going back to my kind of view of how this game ends is that's where that ending kind of comes from is because i mean I'm, i'm trying to figure out how far down the spoiler hole we want to go um if we're going to talk about the ending i think i think we've pretty much already i mean we okay well okay okay that (laughs) fair fair enough i mean i i guess i guess the point is is like the ending is when you stop fighting right you can keep fighting you can keep fighting but at a certain point you have to give up and there is a point at which 
you cannot like you literally you cannot win oh, no the fight. Shh, shh, shh. We're not there yet, though. No, no. But I'm what I'm saying is, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is if you view this as a story that's being told to Senua to educate her, right. that is in a that is in and of itself its own lesson. Is right. there are things that you there there are aspects of this reality that it doesn't matter how hard you fight, you're just not going to be able to beat them, and you have to be okay with that. Like, right, which I think is, I would say, is probably one of the hardest things for humans to. Oh yeah, oh accept. definitely, uh, def, definitely, you know, we, definitely. We have this Wait, drive you mean, to, to defeat you don't have, our bad or overcome. Yeah, you don't and, have control over something. What? Right, right. Which is why I do think you know a lot of this is built for her to um, try to regain control. You know, she's right. built this world where she can uh, try to make her way through it and keep fighting forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and. If I can jump to, yeah, no, no, do it, do exactly it. what triggers this part. Um, so if if either one of you remember from watching or whatever, but there's there one of my favorite, other than the challenges, one of my favorite segments of the 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 game is um, there's this part she ends up in, and I think it's when it's about the same time when you find out about her mom, right? I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's super here. Like she has like her dad's voice in her bunch at this point, and right around the same time that you discover about what actually happened to her mom, she ends up in this area where it's the first one hundred percent like directly like hell related visual. I feel like we get in the game. Like there's no question of kind of what this is supposed to represent. I feel like, and basically you're trudging like at least knee deep, sometimes deeper than that, in what I think is definitely supposed to be blood. Um, and all around the sides, like what basically creates the walls of this space are these, like what look like completely charred bodies of all different, like some of them are huge and some of them are smaller and they're all kind of like entwined together and they look like they're kind of in agony and you fight your way through against a bunch of enemies throughout this part. And it's probably one of the most frustrating battle sequences of the entire game too. Um, and, um, you're just kind of fighting your way through. You end up seeing like your mom's face at one point and um, kind of having a conversation with her, which you do throughout the game. There's a couple of different points where you, you see your mother's face in like rock shapes or on Mm -hmm. like the roof of a building and you, you focus on it and you, you kind of have a little back and forth with her, um, which is basically her telling you that, you know, she's dealt with the same kinds of things and like her almost giving this positive spin to the experience, like saying like, you, you have something unique about you. You know, I had it too. You're able to see into this other world, basically that other people will never be able to experience the way we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you're fighting through this, like my very favorite moment, entire like scene, I guess, of the game is, um, there's a point where you end up crawling up one of these giant charred bodies and you're, it feels so wrong. Cause first of all, like you're, you're in his mind or something, right? Like you're like walking right past his face and it doesn't, there's just no, there's no, it's just there. It has no, um, not to say that it doesn't care that you're there, but it can't, you know, it can't do things. Um, and you end up having to cross what's technically a sort of a bridge, but it's two of them holding hands. And there's something so like disturbing and beautiful at the same time about this moment where like 
there's these completely, um, which I guess you could argue are, are either people who have died and are in hell, or it could also just be that they're supposed to kind of represent people who have not overcome, right? They're people who have been completely consumed by their rot. Um, and that these two are reaching out to each other and, and hanging on, you know, and that you use that connection to cross and to exit this area, basically. And I, maybe I'm like reading way no, no, than it's meant. <laughs> no, like I, okay, so talk about this being a super artistic game and up mm. for lots of interpretation. I actually kind of viewed that whole sequence as her coping with the destruction of the town. And that the couple at the end is kind of a hint towards her and Dillian, like what she feels like should have happened type Mm, thing. I like that. That that was just a, like an artistic interpretation of it more than anything. Yeah. No, I really, I I really like that because I kept on wondering who are these just supposed to be generic people? Are they supposed to be something specific? And I do, I really like that take on it. And I think that gives a whole nother level to, um, the whole experience of that mm-hmm. scene, chapter, segment, whatever we want to call it in this. Um, and then, I mean, at that point, we're kind of getting close to the end of the game-ish, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, you you got the sword back, or you've got the sword put together, essentially. Right. At that point. And the final battles, you're fighting all the same things that you have fought before all right. the gods like it literally and brings back the bosses it brings back all the same which um, by the way the the fighting animations at the end like it feels so epic uh, and can we just if you if you don't play the game which honestly just please just go play the game but if you don't do anything else after this conversation everybody needs to go listen to just look up the final fight <laughs> music like the music, oh the music yeah yeah and so watching good. the final sequence is all like it just you will never feel more epic in your entire life than when you were playing this game and like first of all the, just the music design is absolutely <laughs> incredible throughout this game this music, all the sound design yes yes the whole like the audio department huge props to you guys <laughs> But this this final sequence, the music and the way it's timed, because they whoever created it, um, literally thought through the way that the 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 tempo of the combat throughout the game, how it works, like literally the speed at which you can play, and they timed out the tempo of the music to go so in sync with what you're doing. It is insane. Like it's like somebody's playing it live for you as you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like you you get throughout the game when you're when you're in there's this thing where you can you can focus again and basically what it does is kind of it slows down your enemies it kind of like freezes them somewhat and you can go attack them and you you can more easily do a number of attacks on them at one time and take them down easier and if you do combos you kind of do some cool flips and stuff so throughout this you're getting that like back to back constantly so you just like feel crazy awesome you're like Screw this, because at this point you see Hella. Mm-hmm. You've seen Hella. She's back there. You're trying to get to her. You're fighting your way through the masses. You're fighting your way through the things you've already fought before. And you hit a point, which Blue just brought up a little bit ago. You hit a point where there's just swarms 
times. They just keep coming and coming and coming and you just keep getting more and more hurt. And you're like, what the heck? Like, there is no way. You literally have the voices. It's the one time in the game that you should actually listen to the voices in your head. Because <laughs> the rest of the game, you don't want to. Because I made that mistake. There are a couple of times where they would be like, oh, you should turn around. Don't go that way. So I literally would like turn around and go the other way. I'm like, what? No, no. Don't let's block out what they're saying. <laughs> well, you've been you've been trained the entire game not to listen to them, and then right. all of a sudden, so then this, all of a sudden, you have to listen to them. Yes. So this whole time they're saying, and you even have had like your dad's deep, creepy voice saying, like, you, you know, give in, give up. You know, you need to let go, let go, let go. They keep just saying this, and you finally figure out either you accidentally die because mm-hmm. you just can't keep fighting, or you finally go, I wonder, and you let yourself get taken out by them. And all of a sudden it cuts into the final cut scene, which is like the cut scene of all cut scenes. <laughs> um, I'm going to let, I'm going to let you guys talk about it first. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to have a moment with this one. So you guys. It's, go ahead. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I'm going to talk about right before the cut scene. Actually, I'm going to talk about the battle sequence because you, Hella is this giant being in this whole sequence she's so pretty (laughs) she's pretty but also very creepy at the same time like oh what was the character from guardians of the galaxy the she kind of reminds me of her the one who get like is part robot that is gwenmora's sister Uh, yeah she kind of reminds me of her a little bit it's the bald thing right it is the bald thing (laughs) the companion and like the and the face also getting hurt um which you do to yourself in game, which also I loved. Yes. But uh, the fact that you're chasing her across these bridges and fighting these bosses and everything. And she, she yells at you essentially like there's this guttural scream type thing that happens towards you before you take on the next boss. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who at this point had realized what the game was really about, not necessarily like it just being another video game went, oh my God, she's fighting against herself. Mm-hmm. She is bucking against this final challenge, fighting tooth and nail and screaming at herself. Yep. And visually, Hella is a mirror image, I realized, of her. It, um, because, a darker one, but yeah. Right, because her um, the side of her that is all like burnt up and kind of missing is the mirror image side of where your rot has been growing the entire game. Also um, her face, the injury on her face, mm-hmm. you have on your face as well at that point. It's it's so, and as you look at her more, you can see, like, the eyes are just similar enough, too. Like, it, it's so, it's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so good. Um, anyway, the, sorry, keep going. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, final cutscene, though. Honestly... Like, okay, the final cutscene is just impactful. It leaves you with such a feeling, but at the same time, I'm like, oh my god, I don't remember much of it because I'm just so moved by the (laughs) whole thing. Like, I want to cry. I just remember watching her take the head out, essentially, and let the head fall. And that's where my brain shut off. (laughs) Because I was like, "Uh, okay. Yeah. Blue, did you have any or should I go? No, I mean, I, I kind of already said it. I think that it's a indication of her gaining the strength to stand on her own. And she understands that the things that are holding her back are this obsession with, you know, 
she's always been told that she's she has this darkness that she's rotted on the inside that she's you know she needs Dillian to to walk her through the these episodes and like you guys are saying you know ultimately she's fighting herself like you know she's she's fighting against herself she's screaming at herself she's struggling against herself and when she finally lets that kind of and she accepts that darker aspect as part of herself that's mm-hmm. when she wins it's it's the acceptance of this is me this is this is who i am you know for better for better or worse i guess if you want to go down that road um i think that's to me that's that's what it speaks but so for those who haven't watched it or played it this is like the giant giant spoiler warning if you guys haven't caught on that but um to explain what we're discussing here basically after you let yourself kind of get taken out, you um, basically go face to face with Hela. You don't actually fight her at all. Um, you basically talk at her. Hela doesn't talk at you at all. She just kind of looks at you. Yeah, mirrors, um, mirrors don't talk. Right. <laughs> and she, um, ugh, this is the part that I love the most. I was so like, so basically the, I, I, the reason I played the game, what convinced me to play the game is because I actually had had the, the ending kind of, I don't want to say ruined for me, but I had watched the final like half hour of the game played by somebody else. One of my <gasps> favorite you? I know, but it actually made it a cooler experience in some ways because I got to play through the game knowing that. So I got to, like, you know, like the second time you watch a movie, you yeah, notice all yeah, yeah, yeah. like the, the clues. I got mm-hmm. to see all the clues as I went rather than being like, oh yeah, I have to think back on it. Um, but anyway, um, I realized when I watched it the first time, basically, you take out Dillian's head and you're just on the floor looking up at Hela. And through this entire thing, you you bargain with her, you fight with her, you get angry, you get sad, you basically give up. And there's a point where you hit acceptance Oh, you literally go it's through almost the seven like it, I was about to say. of grief. <laughs> it's like you're going through stages or something. Like you, you have a monologue at Hella, and you're going through the stages as you do this monologue at her. And it is so incredible the way that they do it in a matter of like a two minute segment. You mm-hmm. go through grief, and they represent it so well. And then basically the final thing is you, um, Hella, like stabs you through <laughs> the middle. Um, and Hella picks up Dylan's head and walks over to the edge of this area and drops his head down. And then all of a sudden it cuts back away from seeing the head falling to Senua is the one kneeling there and has let the head go over the edge. And that's when you are, you have it finally confirmed to you. They are one and the same person. Um, and then the part that I think is probably going to be the most debatable for at least between my opinion of it in your guises and where i would want to tie in there's this secret cutscene that you get if you if you find all of the little runes or whatever um you get a little special cutscene with druth shortly before this final sequence of the game um but basically right at the end the the narrator voice kind of cuts in and starts talking about how well that's kind of all i know at this point this is where this is this is where my knowledge reaches and you realize that the the voices have stopped talking throughout mm-hmm. this whole thing they're gone during this sequence and then they slowly start to chitter in your head again just a tiny bit and um 
Senua turns and, and literally spikes the camera, which she does multiple times throughout the game. Um, she she spikes it and um, has this kind of like sad look that turns into like an almost half creepy grin is the way I interpret it. It may have just been like the way acceptance. you guys were saying is just acceptance. I read it as um, possibly moving into a different route instead of trying to go save Dillian which is obviously not going to happen. Um, my theory is basically, well, before I get ahead of myself, sorry, basically the the narrator is saying, you know, this is kind of where it ends, but you go with her. There's more to her story. Um, and then Senua even invites you to come with her and says, you know, come come see what's next, basically. So they, they basically set it up for a sequel, first of all. But they also were saying, you know, just hitting this point is not the final point of mm-hmm. her experience it's not just a fix-all it's not done there's more to overcome and there's more to come in her story of her life whether that's going to be positive things or negative we'll have to wait and see however my theory is that she has definitely come to a point of empowerment about herself she has definitely learned a lot of things she has accepted that she cannot bring Dillian back but what i my theory is that the next stage that she's going into is revenge against Druth. Well, either against Druth or just to explain the, the cut scene you get basically is Druth. Well, do you want to explain the, the cut scene? Cause uh, you... is, well, okay. So Druth basically explains that he didn't exactly escape. Is my understanding the way that he said he did? Is that what happened? Yeah. It, it kind of reads more like he kind of, he, he traded his life for, something freedom for something um and that either so there's the either the theory that he's the one that basically set traded himself his freedom to have the northmen go after her village slash specifically dillian or whatever or they he says in the little sequence he says something along the lines of that um somebody all in black came oh, yeah. and let the Northmen know. Well, the only character we've ever seen black throughout the game specifically is her dad. Daddy dearest. So my theory is that dad came to the Northmen and said, hey, you should come do this or here's this person, whatever, basically sicked the Northmen on Dillion mm-hmm. as a way to try to teach his daughter a lesson of look what your darkness did to somebody you care about. Yeah, I I would agree with that because that that whole scene with dad is just ugh. Cuz yeah, basically there's a point where he he says I want to go on my little adventure about says, "Oh heck no you don't." And basically tells her that she's all sorts of messed up, there's no help and that she needs to stay here, blah blah blah, and basically the scenario ends with he ends up uh trying to grab her. I believe there's a point where he does hit her, correct? Mm-hmm. He and does knock her down. She basically takes off and is like, screw you, I'm doing this. This is what I need to do. Um, and that's the last thing you like distinctly know of like timeline-wise of the interaction between her and her dad. Um, so they didn't leave it in a good place. And if it's true that her dad is possibly the one who uh, told the Northman about Dillian, my opinion is that she's going to go seek revenge on her dad flash the Northman. Um, and that that's what that little smirk at the end is, is her going, okay, I can't bring him back, but I'm empowered. 
I know I can make it through this if I can do this. I can at least seek revenge for my loved one. Um, that's that's the way I kind of took it. It's kind of going to the next level of... Um, It'd be interesting if they try to do a sequel like that. Yeah. I think I it mean, would I, give I half a hope lot they do, it. and I half am like... I think it would cheapen maybe it. Maybe it's just leave it where it is. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think I think if they did a sequel of that that storyline, I think it would cheapen the message. The fact that you can continue to live with mental illness and still be able to cope. No, like the fact that it's like, no, the only reason I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I took the mean, the ending as, um, as merely a, a sign, not that it was a, that like they're setting it up for a sequel though. I, I definitely could see that case. I, I definitely see what you're saying there, but I was reading it more of like, this is just one trial. Like you, you, you still have a life to live. Like this is, this is not the only thing. And, and like you were saying, like, you know, you walked, you walked through the stages of grief and the final one is letting go. And part of letting go is letting go, like, you know, and, and accepting that they're gone and, and not doing all that. But Dillian, no, Dillian wasn't the, the initial trigger. Oh no, 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 no. And I was just about to say, also, given the historical context that, you know, this is taking in place and revenge is not out of the question. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, right. it's entire it's entirely possible that that is the that is the process of, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, she she has now risen to the challenge of being able to take on, you know, take on the the next acceptable in the historical context of her world, the next acceptable process or the next acceptable mm-hmm. step in this process, which is. You have killed my family. And, you know, it's the whole eye for an eye world. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and you've got not to not to make it stereotypical, but think about the number of storylines like, you know, re- realistically, there's many stories that can be told. There's different right, ways right, right, to tell right, them, right, right, but right. we we do tend to retell stories and a very common one when it comes to, um, you know, the revenge kind of story, especially when there's daddy dearest involved is. When dad's the bad guy, you usually take out dad, right? Yeah. Like that's kind of like that. We you go that route. I mean, we can we can even go, you know, Star Star Wars. <laughs> anyone like mm-hmm. you know, it's it's been done before. And if it is dad, um, you know, just for her character, as much as we may not agree with the idea. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It fits her character a whole lot to take out because because in a sense. We don't, I'm sure that dealing with psychosis is something that was, you know, especially with her mom dealing with it as well. Um, You know, it was, it was something that was uh, passed on to her um, in, in some ways, but also that it was brewed (laughs) um, in part because of her father and the way that he treated her. Um, And we don't know if that's what may have spawned it for both of them. Honestly, it may have been, um, an abusive relationship that right. is with a self-fulfilling prophecy or self-fulfilling issue. Right. So, well, you're you know, assuming as, that as, her father doesn't have a form of psychosis. That's I mean, it's, it's possible. I think it's, yeah. I, I mean, I would argue that he does, but that is <laughs> neither here has, nor there. I definitely would agree that he has um, something. I don't know if I would necessarily say at least the same. Oh yeah. 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 Of, fair, you know, fair. um, 
but that he definitely deals with his own darkness. And I think that's kind of the point is that everybody in this, every character you meet does. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because even Dillian you know, has his own darkness. Well, right. I mean, he even, he even sits there and says, you know, like he kind of addresses that she, she kind of makes him out to be this like perfect thing and that nobody is, you know, that, that, um, you know, and he, he deals with his own stuff and he has his own struggles and, um, it's, I, I think there's many ways that it could go. And I think we'll, we'll a lot more (laughs) a sequel, um, and I, one of the things that I, I, I want to also give the doves credit for, um, before I forget, which was another one that was very personal for me, was the fact that, um, Senua gives too much credit to Dillian, um, compared to herself. Yes. However, they did a really, really great job of giving credit to the people who live with people who live with mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my Dillian is my husband in so many weird ways, like the just personality wise, <laughs> it was, it was uncanny. Um, literally the way he helps her through some of the challenges um, by empowering her, making her realize she can do it. It's exactly what Joey does for me when I deal with these attacks and stuff. And um you know, I, I think sometimes that we, we forget about um, the effect that not not blaming people who deal with mental illness, but the effect that mental illness has on the people who care about the person dealing with it as well. Um, you know, and it's and it's important to uh, cherish what they're able to do, but also to make sure that they have support along with the person dealing with the mental illness. Um, right. You know, it, it does the the concept of it spreading internally. It also can spread externally. Not saying that, like you know, you have depression, therefore anybody that you is now going to be depressed. But the fact that what you deal with and the way you deal with it um, does have an effect, um, both good and bad, on the people in your life. And that goes for everything, not just mental, but literally everything that you do, everything that you are, affects the world around you and the people around you um, in good and bad ways. And you know, it's, it's important to acknowledge that. And I think that the game did a really good job of that as well. Um, when it comes to Dillian and, um, you know, showing that she romanticizes his help too much and that that's something she also has to overcome throughout it is realizing strength outside of him. And I think that's I think, not there anymore. Right. Right. And blue, I think that's the part that you seem to have really, um, I think that's the part that really stuck out to you with the ending, you know, is that that right. letting go of needing him and being able to be her own person. That doesn't necessarily mean be her own person outside well, of psychosis. It's, but, but others, I would also argue, though, that she also realizes that even though his body isn't there, she's had him with her the whole yes. time and that she carries him with her. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, not just the physical head anymore. Head anymore, but he, she carries him in, it's going to sound crazy, but in her heart and in her mind. Mm-hmm. And his, his effect on her life will always be there. Even if well, he's and not. That's, and like, like what you were saying about her effect on, or mental illness effect on the individuals who care for him. The thing is, is like, everyone has an effect on everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. Right. 
And I think that's that's the big point there too is that everything you do has ramifications, whether that's good or bad. And with Dillian, the ramification was that in order for her to let him go, I think you, I, I really agree with what you were just saying is like the over over romanticizing of what he does for her. And then the realization that that's what she does. And then the letting go of that mm-hmm. romanticization Again, I'm I'm also even begging the question, is Dillian actually even gone? Like, is this actually, you know, there's there's a possibility because once you once you step out of reality in a video game or in, in reality and like in general, it starts begging the question of, well, where does it actually where, where did it actually deviate from reality? Like, right. And so this this could be more about her learning that Dillian is not not that Dillian is not necessary, but that. He is not the end all be all to her happiness. Well, I mean, if you want to take a possible in game example of what that may have happened, if she's off doing her um, little sabbatical, and this that's the point where this episode happens, the fear of him being taken or the fear of him going off to work because wasn't he tra- training to do yes, yes. battle mm-hmm. throughout it because that's and, where she, that's how she learned how to use the sword right and so the concept that maybe this is just the idea of hey he could have these people and come attack him at any point because he's a he's a warrior he wants to right. he wants or, to protect people but he's always in danger Right. Or the fact, like what you were just saying, say she's on the sabbatical and she has an episode. Well, Dillian's always been the one that's been there talking her through the episode. Dillian's not there. So this is her process of working her way through an episode. And you so know, it's, I mean, there's there's Hellblade so many different two, possible. Yeah. She goes and meets him again. Yeah. Then she has another episode. But I mean, the other the thing that was would be really neat is if they continue to use, and this is just video games in general, I love video games like this that talk on a very meta perspective of things that people really go through, whether it's a mental illness issue or um, family issues or even just the psychology of living Mm -hmm. in a certain time period or anything like that, or just the philosophy, um, a game that comes to mind was, oh God, it was just a puzzle game, but it was so meta because the game was talking at oh, you as that you were game. the puzzles. Oh, that game. Wait, wait. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Luma, um, Luma, Luma, something. Yes, oh, I hated yes. that game. Numa, no, Numa, Numa. It was so good though. I never, I, fin- to... I didn't, I didn't finish it. I need, but I yes. Did. Definitely. I did finish it, but I love the games that step out and they're teaching you a lesson while you're actually playing them. Right. Whether it's a philosophical or a lesson about yourself, because that's ultimately what I took out of this one. Well, yeah, some of the games that are doing like patience is a very common theme, but games like this, where it's just like, you're not only learning about this in general, but you're learning about yourself through it. Mm hmm. Well, that's any good uh, storytelling, I would argue. But I think this is like a game like this takes it to. So, for example, 
I always say that every single person has a mental status, right? We always talk about mental health, like some people have it, some people don't. That's complete bull. Okay, like we, everybody has it. Just some people are in a good state. And some people are in a bad state. Some people are consistently in a good state and some people are consistently in a bad and some people flip flop and everybody has bad days and good days. It's all mental health, right? Um, there's, there's diagnosis, diagnoses within yes. mental health, which are what we talk about most commonly as being the definition of mental health, right? Like, we're like, oh, if you're not diagnosed with depression or you know, bipolar or this or that or that, you don't have mental health. Well, that's just, that's not what the term mental health means. Like it's, it's like, you wouldn't say that, oh, somebody who is not obese and somebody who is not highly fit doesn't have physical health. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's not only extremes, everybody fits in the spectrum of mental health. And um, that this game, I think makes you realize that like if you're not somebody who walks around every day processing that concept I think that this makes you go okay I understand this little bit and I wouldn't quite understand it to the level I do if I didn't experience something even if it's on this like you know they they put they they pick psychosis they they pick the particular scenario that Senya was in uh, to be this extreme end of a spectrum right right um and that you know, it makes you realize that you you may deal even with just that day something something happened that that made you feel a certain way that you then um, acknowledged while you were playing the game. You know, that's that's something that's that's it's not it's not the stereotypical um, life lesson game. It's it's beyond that. It's like your interpretation of the lesson it's giving you. If that makes well, sense, like yeah, it's, it's going to be very unique. Well, it's kind of like what Blue was saying at the very beginning, that this game is a good teaching tool mm -hmm. to help teach to cope with anything, quite frankly. it does. You don't have to have any sort of um, ailments, quite frankly. Right. You can be going through depression. You could be going just having a bad day just because somebody said something wrong or people on Twitter are saying stuff that you just can't handle anymore because, anyway, um, real life. <laughs> but it helps what? you. No, that never happens. Oh gosh, you saw You're my reading YouTube comments. Uh -huh. uh. <laughs> but it gives you a chance to work through it, and it gives mm -hmm. you a format that is an entertainment format, but it still helps you actually work through the issues yourself. Right. One quick thing I did want to mention because we kind of um, when we were talking about the ending sequence, I forgot to say it, but. Um, you finally right at the end too, like literally after she's from the camera and everything, there's this final moment where it shows you where you are at the end, like where you've interacted with Hella, which is supposed to be like the, the end all point, right? Like you're deep in hell at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Or so you think. And when it pulls back, it shows you that you're at the top of this wooden structure thing. I have no idea what it's supposed to be. But you've seen it throughout the entire game in the distance. It's just been there. And you process it. Basically, you've made it from like over on this side of the beach to up on that thing, which is also on the beach. That's been your entire journey. Mm -hmm. Like realistically within a space, all of this happened within a space that probably normally would have taken you like an hour to probably walk and climb or whatever. You know, like it's this... Um, 
is this reality snap of showing you what you've actually technically been doing and the way she experienced that small space and that small time. Um, and, and I think that's really, really cool. Um, the way that they, uh, to, to show you that, cause you get so lost at, at a point in the game. You, you, no matter how aware you. Yeah. I mean, that it was just a game or that it was, you know, not, reality for her or for us i guess you just lose concept of reality and so all of a sudden at the end you're like oh my goodness that's right (laughs) like actually happened at all and throughout it i love like you said green i think right at the beginning you said um when you were trying to decide how to label what senua is to the game like is Mm -hmm. she is she the character you play as or the character you play through and um you know, those those moments where she spikes the camera and says things to you or like she'll occasionally just give you a look when the voices are talking. She'll look straight at you and give you some kind of like response, sort of. Um, there's even some points where she looks at you like she wants to kill you, like as if she's blaming you for whatever just happened or like that you just did something bad to her. Um, you you start to piece together. Like, I think you're right when you say you're playing through her, not necessarily as her, that right. you're supposed to either be a tag along of one of her voices. You're supposed to be another person experiencing the same type of thing. And you're just seeing her version of what you might be dealing with. Um, you know, the fact that she invites you at the end to like come with her, um, you know, is, is, I mean, they, they completely break the fourth wall a number of times in this to acknowledge that you're not her, but she's letting you see what's going on. It's the meta that you're actually the one dealing with all of this. Right. Like, are we using this? Like, did we, is it supposed to be that we kind of created the Senua character as the same way she created her reality to deal with things, right? Like, is this, is the entire game and this character supposed to be our creation, right? Mm -hmm. The, The player's creation to deal with our stuff. And I love that. Like, again, like it takes you that like final layer deep <laughs> where you're yeah. like, oh, man, <laughs> it's good. Um, it's such a good game. I highly recommend it. Even yeah. if you don't have a PlayStation, at least go and watch it because yeah. you can get a lot of I I mean, there's some depth stuff, in-depth stuff that I have not seen because I have not played it. But you can get a lot of the a lot of the bulk of what we've talked about here. Yes. Through some of those cutscenes and just some gameplay. Just watch somebody's gameplay. It's really Definitely. good. I would offer mine, but I can't because Twitch ate it and never gave it back to me. Oh, really mean old Twitch. Like, it literally was one of those, like, I went back, like, two days later to highlight. It was just gone. And I'm like, what the no? Of all things to disappear. <laughs> Why yeah. this one? Gosh. But there's there's lots of people out there that have played it, and it's it. But like you're saying, if you can, if you in any way can get your hands on the game, do it. And it's not that long. Like I sat down, I split it into two different streams, more for like just being able to handle it. Because um, mm-hmm. like it is one of those. If you deal with some stuff, you are going to. I would recommend having like another person that you know you can reach out to to like just kind of. They say that process. at the beginning too. Right. Yes. Yes. They give some really good warnings. Um, at the beginning of it and you know just to have somebody you can process with or somebody right there um do do go in a bit wary um it it's the way that i said it i think i even said this on my stream afterwards and i said it to joey is 
It was one of the most triggering games I've ever played and one of the most therapeutic games I've ever played at the exact same time. Like that's, it's just, there's no other way for me to, to put that, I guess. Like it's, it's, it's definitely worth it, but it can be very difficult at times Mm -hmm. and watch the Vidoc green. I expect you to like (laughs) go watch it. I will put that on my queue at work i guess do should i watch it or should like can i listen to it um you can probably mostly listen to it there's a few things that are definitely worth seeing but you know to start off with like audio would be fine for the most part um the the only part that's really really cool to see is like seeing them do the recording for the voice like the whispering voices and stuff is kind of cool to visually see how they did it and then Mm -hmm. seeing the the main actress do her thing which i mean if you look her up at all you'll probably just see the same exact clips as well but um yeah nice anyway i feel like i derailed the lore concept of this a lot i apologize you know with a lot of these extra lores the a lot of these games have so much lore that a two-hour section is not going to cover everything what i like and i'm sure Blue, you have kind of feelings towards this too. When it comes to a game that we're explaining, explaining the general concept of the game is a really important thing to show people what it is. And the general concept of this game is the whole story of Senua working through what she worked through. And that's... I think the biggest part of this game, yes, there's lore on Norse mythology. And if anybody wants the Lordstone transcriptions, just message me. I have all of them, all 44 of them. I'm so sorry, that's right. You went through all of that. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's okay. I wanted to know more about it. And it actually got me to pick up my book from uh, Neil Gaiman that he just released, that Norse mythology book that I bought like three months ago that I haven't cracked (laughs) <laughs> but, shame uh, hey i'm i read through it now i'm i'm caught up i'm caught up but it I do, lot... oh, sorry go for it i would say i do i do really want i i hope i really really hope that this is a really big stepping stone for the gaming world um just you know there there are a number of um smaller indie games out there that have tackled issues there's a number of games that have tackled mental health um there's some that have tackled loss um one that i i, I really want to play it I've, I've seen a lot about it but um there's one called uh that dragon cancer um it's a indie game that i think was made mostly just by one guy um who's a father who's a uh, very very small child was nope. diagnosed with cancer nope. not gonna play that one uh, i can't handle that i i don't that's part of why i've put it off but it is supposed to be extremely well done and um very very raw um yeah I can so there there are a lot of games that there's just it's really good to see one to get um i wouldn't call ninja theory like mainstream triple a they've been involved in things that have been but i don't know if i would call like the company themselves a triple a company per se um but seeing seeing a game like this that normally would get kind of uh, not that the indie world is a bad place to be, but get kind of stuck in that, um, that realm and not recognize the same level. I think it's really good to see a game that tackled this kind of thing in this kind of artistic way, get the kind of spotlight that it has. And it's up for a number of nominations for awards. 
Um, and personally, I would say it deserves them. <laughs> but uh, I just I really, really do hope that this reaches out to um, developers, because I think as as gamers, you know, we obviously we we seek out games often as an ex- escape from reality and escape from the crap that we're dealing with daily. Um, but that it's also really important to acknowledge that this thing that a lot of us see as a hobby, as a pastime, as an escape is also an extremely important platform that has so many possibilities to address issues that in, in ways that nothing else can. I mean, I, I personally believe that a game can tackle an issue such as mental health way better than a movie ever could wish to unless we're talking like at some point we go like full on vr choice-based movies or something um which then basically playing a video game right um i i just i i really hope that this opens eyes of a lot of developers and as gamers you know if there's a topic that you want to see talked about in a game let a dev know or become a dev because games like this it would have inspired me to go hey something i want to (laughs) do Um, I want to make a game that makes somebody feel the crazy soup of emotions I felt playing this. But anyway, sorry, that was my spiel from gaming world standpoint. Just developers, if you're listening, you can do it. You can make fun games that are escapes and you can also make games like this. And they, they both matter and are important. They do. They do. Lou, do you want to wrap up? Yep. Um, I'm just going to say our next topic is going to be one of Beard's favorite topics ever. It's going to be over Dead Space. So if you guys oh, <laughs> want to jump into that one, yeah, I know. I know. Wait, Be- Beard Bell, just unmuted for the first time. Bell, Bell oh, is going to, Bell's going to definitely want to be a part of that chat because I know she uh, loves the jump scare games. Nope. She's a huge, nope. she's a huge proponent of them. Don't let Dead her Space you. is the number one game that everybody in my life I cannot handle. <laughs> what? I, it's totally is, is, is full it, of unicorns and happiness. I don't know why they say you can't handle maybe it. Maybe killer unicorns that like poop acid on your face. Is it? Uh, is That's it possible. It also deals with mental illness along with blood. Yeah. Blood? Yeah. There's that too. I, How about I, this? I'll listen to your show on it. And have your goal be to convince me to play so, this game. So let's put it this way. Next time on Hellblade Senwa's Sacrifice Part 2 Dead Space Isaac's Resolve, uh, <laughs> we're going to lose our damn minds. All right? That's about what's going to happen. I'm convinced. I'm in. I'm yep. scared. I'm scared. Go. You you should be. You, I, you okay. should be. The mention of I, I don't even know what Infested Potato mentioned in chat. I just went, I'm going to be back in a month, guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's the Necros. Yeah, you'll, 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 have necros. Your, uh, you'll have your time where you're uh, basically uh, on, on mute for most of it. <laughs> All right, that's, uh, that's, that's I'm okay with this. You'll be scrolling yeah. through YouTube comments while, while Beard talks. <laughs> I will be crying in a corner while Beard talks is what I'll be doing. You're going to be like, I'm going to go play Hellblade because compared to this. It's, it's fluffy and painted it's rainbows. It's fluffy and painted with rainbows. Oh, man. 
But yeah, so Dead Space is going to be our next topic. Um, again, thank you, Bell, for jumping on. And Beard, do you have any shout outs? Uh, not tonight, to be honest. Okay. Uh, and then let's run through outro real quick, and then we'll stick around for a little bit. I know we'll probably want to chat with chat to see if they have any questions. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on focusedfirechat.com. Thank you again, Bell, for jumping into the chat. Really appreciate having you, and I'll be sure to get your contact information links posted in our show notes for anyone who wants to continue chatting with you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our teams concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedbacks and a rating over on iTunes as well. Reminder, we do try to stream a recap of the month-long Extra Lore conversation on the first Wednesday of each month. But if we do have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at FocusFireChat. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing partner podcasts within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs> <laughs>